going back 20 years to where we are now, it's now all coming together. And you look at um, the knitting together of all these businesses and the new technologies that are coming and, um, and the infrastructures that are being built. And uh, it's absolutely an, an incredible time. This is the Insurance Technology Podcast, where we bring interesting people from across the insurance ecosystem to discuss and debate technology's impact on the industry. Join us each episode for insights and best practices from industry stewards and tomorrow's innovators. Now, here's your host, Reed Holsworth. Welcome to the Insurance Technology Podcast. I'm your host, Reed Holsworth. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Jim Hackbarth. Jim Hackbarth is currently the CEO of AssureX Global, but retiring soon. Now, Jim is not only a friend, but I consider Jim family. And those of you out there that know Jim know why I'm saying that. Just an awesome human, awesome individual, really great guy. In this episode, you're going to learn how he went from wanting to be a football coach to getting into insurance and insurance technology. You'll also learn about all of his classical training when he was at IBM and what that looked like to, to really mold him into the, the amazing salesperson that he is today. Stay tuned. Jim's a really great guy. Great interview. Really happy to have him on the podcast. Jim, how you doing, man? Reed, I'm doing fine. It's great to, it's great to be with you uh, today, and I look forward to our conversation. So Jim and I have known each other for a number of years. Um, Jim's been the CEO of Asturex Global for, what, 18 years or so? 18, 18 years, that's correct, yep. yep. So uh, big industry guy. I remember the first time I met you, it was a very formal environment. I, I came to Ohio. You're like, hey, I, I want to learn more about what you guys are doing. This is in the tech canary days. And uh, show your product to the team. And I remember I was nervous because, like, you know, it's a Surex, man. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and I and I came in that office, and uh, I was there. I forgot who was all there. There was a few people there. Absolutely, all pros. Um, yep. Intimidating, yep. right? And uh, and I was fairly intimidated. And, <laughs> uh, and anyways, and then um, I just got to know you, man. I'm like, man, this guy's cool. I love this dude, and I think it's been um, it's been love ever since. So. Um, Appreciate you joining the show. So, uh, well, uh, thanks. I've made a hobby of sur surrounding myself with really smart people. So, if they intimidated you, they did their job. But it was, but anyhow, it was a lot of fun. And I remember calling you. I mean, I had to call you a couple times to say, "Will you come to Columbus, please?" Um, <laughs> because I was hearing so much about Tech Canary, and I was so high with what you were doing and what I was hearing from brokers right all over the place. I said, "We need to get our arms around this." And uh, so anyhow, I'm, yeah, I, was, I, I feel lucky that we had a chance to meet. And even better than that, we've become friends over the years. Really good friends. So Absolutely. Thank Thanks. Yep. We have a lot of the same friends, small yeah. industry, right? It is very small. Very the other. small. So, um, so awesome. So tell us how, and actually, I don't really know this. I kind of know this, but how did you actually get into insurance? Oh, Sorry. probably oh. like, yeah, probably like most people by accident. It was not on purpose. Um, my first two years of college, uh, my, in undergrad, I was a phys ed major. I aspired to be a high school football coach. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, there was a unexpected death in a family and I moved home to Columbus, which is where I was born and raised. 
finished up at Ohio State. And it was my father that had passed away. And one of the things that he said to me a couple hours before he passed unexpectedly is that, listen, do me a favor and just take one business course. Because if this high school football coach stuff doesn't work out for you, you're probably going to be a sales guy of some type or another, but just take a business course. And he, he at the time was head of claims of a Midwest insurance company. Hmm. And um, if you've been exposed to people are, that, that come out of claims, usually the first answer is no. No, you, no, you can't have a motorcycle. No, you can't jump out of air, airplanes. No, you can't do this. So my first exposure to insurance was like, it, it begins with no. So I had no desire to be in insurance. So the first, the only business, my first business course that I took when I transferred to Ohio State that I could get into because hardly anyone was in it was principles of insurance. Hmm. And um, I was not what I would call a great student when you look at grade point average, but uh, that was the only A that I got in my undergrad. Really? And, and the per- well, well, no, no, because I understood it. And all of a sudden, life became serious. And so I really studied, understood it. I mean, all the words, I understood it because it, it was talked about around the dinner table growing up as a kid. And um, the professor, I'll never forget it. His name was Dr. Bicklehop. He had written several books that were CPCU-type books. He came up to me and said, at the end of the quarter, this is before most colleges moved to semesters. And he said, have you ever thought about uh, changing your major to insurance? And I said, absolutely not. I have no desire. And then he said something that changed my mind. He says, well, there's a scholarship fund called the Griffith Insurance Foundation, and they're giving scholarships out to people that have a desire to major in insurance. And I said, you know something? I think that sounds good because I had no money. And I was working three part-time jobs, and I said, I'm in. So then in order to prove that you were serious, you had to find a part-time job in the insurance. And so I sold uh, life insurance as a special agent at night for Prudential, and wow. then uh, which was crazy, which is why I kind of learned some of the basics of selling. Oh, yeah. And, and then I came out, I graduated on time, and I applied to two major insurance companies in Ohio. I'll leave their names. Yeah. In fact, that was probably the, best, uh, probably the best choice they ever made not to hire me. <laughs> and and they were not hiring then. Huh. At the time, IBM was hiring like crazy. So um, I applied at IBM coming out of Ohio State. They hired me. 12, 12 months of sales training. Unbelievable oh, sales training that they would put you through. And then when you got done with sales training, they would put you into a territory. And I lobbied just to be in a territory by myself. I didn't want to be a junior rep. The worst territory at the at the moment, at the time when I was ready to go on quotas, they say, was the insurance industry. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I, uh, as a rookie sales rep, uh, 22, 23 years old, I was calling on companies like Nationwide and State Auto and Motorist and AAA and Grange Insurance. And uh, and since my undergrad was in insurance, and I, so I, I kind of understood it. And I was and IBM always taught you to call at the top. And so, um, and then all of a sudden the market turned and these companies were buying mainframes like crazy. Mm. And I blew through my quota in my first year and my second year and could not figure out why they were buying so much. But lo and behold, there was a company at the time, which I'm sure you've heard of called Policy Management Systems Corp. Mm -hmm. The founder was Larry Wilson. PMS. And PMS. 
And all these carriers were buying the policy management system. And all of a sudden, after they buy it, they have to buy a larger mainframe, strings of disk drives, and then, bam. I soon thereafter, and uh, I was with IBM a short period of time, about four years. They kept wanting to move me to be a sales trainer, and I had no desire. And uh, then I got a phone call from Larry Wilson at Policy Management Systems. Hmm. And he said, would you ever consider coming on board? And I didn't know what software was. I could hardly spell it. And I so we got together. I flew flew down, spent a day with him, um, and um, and we struck a deal. And so I moved to Columbia, and then started calling on major insurance companies like Travelers and USF&G and St. Paul, AIG, et cetera, and um, was selling mainframe policy processing systems to most of the major carriers. And, uh, and then, um, how old were you at the time? Oh gosh. Well, I was, uh, at that time I was 28, 29. Wow. And, uh, and I don't know if it was from just being confident where I knew what I was selling and understood the insurance industry was never really intimidated by going to the top floor. Um, I, IBM trained you, that's where you start. And, uh, and I sold a very, very large contract, $26 million contract to a very large uh, carrier in New York City. Uh, the letter begins with A and it ends with G. And uh, right after that, I know. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and right after that, I received a phone call from an executive at USF&G. And his name was Bob Trewick. And Bob Trewick is a name when you go way, way back and you talk to other people that have been around the industry as long as I have. He was actually the, the executive director of the FAIA, Florida uh-huh. Association of Assurance. Yeah. It was the FAIA that actually, I think, came out with the first comparative raider. He left really? there. He left there and joined USF&G as executive vice president. I knew him. I sold him. We had sold him some stuff. And he thought I was much older than what I was. And so he calls me and says, we bought a little software company in Atlanta and we, it needs a president. There's like 120 people there. And um, we're interested in you coming and running it. He thought I was about 36, 37. I had just turned 30. Wow. And, and I had never really managed anything more than two or three people at a time. And I said, sure, why not? It sounds fun. And um, now at the time, AMS was out there. Larry Wilson at PMSC had just sold it to Commercial Union. That's where David Road in- entered the uh, industry. And I landed in Atlanta and ran this little si- company called Leader Systems. And that was at the time when carriers were giving away back office systems, probably in trade for volume and everything else. And um, that's where I met David Rowe and Dennis Chakazian. Um, they actually tried, and that was during the phase. And Reed, there was probably 25 or 30 back office systems. AMS applied has just entered the arena. Redshaw, mm-hmm. there was probably a couple dozen leader systems. Most of them were owned or backed by insurance companies as a way to put their cash register in the agent's office. And they would give them the IBM PC XD or whatever to, in trade for volume. And they were helping them automate the back office, accounting only, uh, way before anyone even thought about front office auto- automation. Um, probably the first front office automation was probably rating systems, personal lines, rating systems. But that you could say that was front office. But 
And by today's standard, it's certainly not, um, yeah. which goes which goes back to when we reached out to you that I really wanted to meet you. Was it, you know, Tech Canary, along with many others, was the first step, you know, a few years back to really doing a proactive, let's automate the front office, the suspecting, the prospecting, managing the sales funnel, targeting vertical markets and how to go go after it. So anyhow, so um, ended up at uh, AMS, uh, David Rowe and Dennis Chikazian tried to buy leader systems from USF&G. USF&G did not want to sell it. And they, and they said to me, hey, listen, we actually want to roll this thing up to Baltimore and roll it in and you know, I, we don't want you selling this to anybody else except USF and G agents. And I decided that's probably wasn't the best. And that's when I joined um, AMS and moved to Boston. And yeah. so very early on, looking back. Sorry, I was, why, why, why we, Boston, Jim? Why'd you move to Boston? Well, because at the time, uh, that's where AMS was was headquartered. They were on the south shore of, of uh, Boston in a town called Hingham. David Rowe lived on the Cape, which is where he is today. And so AMS was there. And then there was ARC in College Station, Texas. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time, there was a consortium of companies that had, that had owned it. And then through different ownership changes, CNA ended up owning most of the stock of AMS. So it went from commercial union to a consortium of insurance companies, St. Paul, Great American, New Hampshire Insurance Group. And then ownership got consolidated. And Dennis... Chikazian, with all his wisdom, he was the CFO at the time. Between him and David, probably two of the, the best visionaries. And then, um, but, you know, I've been lucky. I mean, I've been lucky to be able to work with people like a Larry Wilson. I mean, a real thought leader. Um, a David Rowe, a Dennis Chikazian. Um, I mean, people like that. And, you know, uh, I've, always, I've always known I'm not the brightest bulb in a box. But I figured out if you work with smart people and you can figure out a way that you can help them, help me help you and learn as much as you can at an early stage. And and that's kind of how it all worked out. And the pieces came together, et cetera. And then um, you may know this story uh, being at Applied through the hard work of Dennis Chikazian and David Rowe and. Uh, Tom Eustace, and God, God bless Tom. I mean, he he died a, a young life, um, and his brother Bob. They decided let's form a organization called APT, Alliance for Protective Technology. And uh, at the time, I think Applied was headquartered in Tinley Park, and uh, they did a joint venture. And David and Dennis asked me if I'd move from Boston to Chicago to head up that joint venture. And that was basically the very beginning of two powers coming together for the common good of the industry. And you and I could spend hours talking about the history of insurance and how people that do compete with common interests have come together over the years to find a solution for a problem that makes the industry better, Um, which is why I'm excited to see the role that you're in at Ivan's. And we can talk about this later. I just think what, what I've the opportunity that is available to Ivans right now in the industry is everything starting to come together from a technology is absolutely awesome. So that's a long-winded answer of how did a guy like me that wanted to be a high school football coach end up in the insurance industry. And, uh, and, and it's been, so what happened, unfortunately, during the formation of APT, 
Tom Eustace uh, died unexpectedly, and he was the number one leader at Applied. He and his brother Bob, Jim Kellner, people like that, people's names you may have heard. Bob died unexpectedly, and when that happened, APT just started to un. Uh, it started to unravel, and without his leadership and commitment, it just wasn't going to happen. And so then that's when I moved. Uh, um, I wasn't going to move back to Boston for family reasons. And then for other family reasons, it made sense for me to move back to Columbus after living Atlanta, Boston, uh, Chicago. So. so for the audience, just so people understand, I'll just break down what, what Jim just said. Vertifor and Applied came together to, to build APT. Absolutely. Merging together. A lot of people yep. don't know this story. I've heard this story multiple times from Dennis, David, as well as yourself. Right. And it's pretty crazy. And it, and literally, the deal was done for, for the story. Um, basically, everything was almost inked. Everybody was going up. Dennis does this thing in, at this cabin in northern Wisconsin every year. He brings his friends and family together. You guys were all going up there. I won't name the place. I've been. It's, a lot, it's an awesome time. <laughs> it um, is. And so, anyways, everybody was going up to, to ink the deal, right? Celebrate and then enjoy a beautiful weekend. Yep. And Tom passed, literally. Tom right? passed unexpectedly. Tom and I were actually supposed to have lunch that day. And it was about two o'clock. He was going to pick me up. I called his office and they said, You hadn't heard the news. I go, No, what happened? They said, Tom died in his office uh, a couple hours ago. And that was just, and then that just, took everything into a different uh, direction. It would have been interesting. And, you know, I was very flattered, of me of all people, to be asked um, by both uh, David Rowe and Dennis and Tom Eustace and Bob Eustace to be the guy that would be leading that. And awesome. uh, it was an awesome opportunity. And um, looking back, just the minds and the cooperation that happened. But it, but it took visionaries it took oh, strong yeah. visionaries that had guts and said we need to do this for the industry um yep. you know it's funny here we are 20 years later and i think this is probably one of the most opportunistic times in the insurance industry and also the embedding of more technology to go to the next level i think this is an awesome time uh with where we are in the industry today so i agree it almost feels like I don't want, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's like a revolution is happening to some degree. Like things that people have been talking about for many, 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 many years are yeah. actually finally starting to move. You, you know, know what's, yep. And you've heard this, I, I'm much older than you, but it's funny how history has a way to repeat itself. Mm -hmm. And then when it does, you learn from the past to make it better and better and better. And I think that's where we are. Going back 20 years to where we are now, it's now all coming together. And you look at um, the knitting together of all these businesses and the new technologies that are coming and, um, and the infrastructures that are being built. And uh, it's absolutely an, an incredible time. You know what's interesting to me, too, is you're right. History does repeat itself. But a lot of the same players that were making moves back then are making moves today. To help that you guys are all involved in tons of stuff a little bit you know but, you know but but reed let me challenge you a little bit <laughs> if somebody would have said 10 years ago that you'd be doing what you're doing today what would you have said there's no way no way no and, way 
you look at some of the fresh minds, the fresh minds that have come into this industry, people like yourself, Ilya Bodner, for example, mm -hmm. yep. brilliant, Kabir, people that you know, and then, and then many others. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there are some people like us that, that are hanging out on the fringes that just want to see this continue to happen. And so you bring in this fresh blood and these fresh minds of people that say, why are we doing this? Why do we do this? How many times did you ask why before you sat down and said, you know something, we need to build a platform that sits on top of Salesforce. This is absolutely crazy. How yeah. many times did, did uh, um, Kabir say, I'm leaving Marsh and I'm going to really figure out a way to make data that people can harvest it and make use of it. Yeah. I was privileged to sit on the board of advisors of Bold Penguin when it was three guys and a dog or, <laughs> or three guys and a penguin. But, um, but let me tell you, and I probably learned more from them than they ever learned from me, but what they have built in the platform. And then you hear about the recent announcement that just was made between Bold Penguin and Marsh and Amazon. Yeah. And that's, Amazon ex yeah. that's exciting. Really? That's, that's going to increase the pace. And that is very exciting. And you take the people that think through those things. But it's people like you and Ilya and others that are out there. Um, Kristen Nonary. And I can go yeah. on and on and on about the young minds that are coming and people that probably never thought they'd ever want to be in the insurance industry. And it's, it's, it is an exciting time. Wow. Well, that was awesome. It's really funny to hear Jim's take on the fresh minds in the industry, like Ilya and Kabir. Jim, you obviously don't listen to my podcast because I just interviewed those dudes. Um, so uh, maybe you will now, but awesome stuff. So stay tuned to the next episode. We're going to hear Jim's take on technology's impact in the industry, as well as why Jim loves sales. Why he's so good at it, really. Stay tuned. The Insurance Technology Podcast is a production of Ivan's. Visit insuretechpod.com to contact us, suggest a topic or guest for an upcoming show, and subscribe to be notified when our latest podcast is available. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. It's where you can also leave us a rating and a review that helps other people find the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.